I doubt if there is any problem, social, political, or economic, that would not melt away before the fire of such a spiritual undertaking. Welcome to another edition of the Lampton uh, Liquor Podcast, where society is still decadent, the know-nothings were right about us, and I have the triumphal return of, of the beer pot, if you <laughs> if you can see. if it, I bought the beer uh, Trainwreck IPA, which, you know, some people, some you know, p- individuals use astrological signs. I think guys should just use beer, be like, okay, man. This is four local going to mean for me tonight? Probably a hangover the next day. <laughs> um, but anyway, so we are not joined today by any uh, cleric. Um, Father Richard Armstrong, who we're going to interview at some point uh, for the Byzantine Rite, uh, was called away um, today, or tonight, I should say, to the hospital to, I believe, administer some sort of sacraments to, to an individual. She didn't give much of an information because it was like last minute, like, boom zoom gotta go um which is fine you know say a prayer for him and say a prayer for the individual and um yeah that's probably probably why it got canceled so that all of you guys listening could pray for them so try to do that but. it's kind of a wild thing to like at any moment be called to be like hey someone's dying and like i don't know if they're catholic or anything but they want to talk to a priest you know just yeah. like you know and you just go like all right i'm on my way you know like or, or someone's ill seriously and then they don't have to be dying but like I'm, yeah. curious how, I'm curious how often that like you know you never think i never like i never think about like priests and like their nightlife it's like they don't have one because occasionally you know if, if you if the hospital has your number you're probably the, <laughs> you, i mean i mean you're probably the guy who's going to answer at any time of day you know yeah. like yeah a, a, like a protestant minister is probably going to be married and have kids and things like that and you know and and or or just might not have the energy to go and hmm. and you know there's something instantly recognizable about a catholic priest that it's just like yeah. hey let's get you out here yeah well father richard is actually married with oh, is he? with a kid so he, that makes <laughs> so him he's even, just a mensch that exactly that makes him even more of a badass right <laughs> he's got to go off and do that so um speaking of kids i had a interesting um adventure on catholic reddit today um i posted something because there's the stimulus bill that got passed and it's got some like crazy insane increase uh to the uh child tax credit or something it's like now like three thousand dollars per kid yep. or something and so like yeah, let's go <laughs> exactly like peter what are you gonna do with all your money now <laughs> like I liked your suggestion of building a chapel. That was uh <laughs> well that's yeah. what I did on the Reddit. I, I posted like shout out to all the Catholic big Catholic families who can now afford to to build their own private chapel and like two people upvoted it and then like one person downvoted it and probably reported it because the moderators got upset with it and they're like, We're not sure like if this was how this was intended at the it was ambiguous and we try to keep this reddit page blah 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 and we if you want you can email us and whatever and so i i don't know i i technologically shook the dust out of my shoes and realized that a prophet is never is never accepted in his own hometown so i went and i appreciate your hometown the, reddit <laughs> kind of well no i went to the evangelical subreddit page and started preaching no i'm just kidding <laughs> Reddit's kind of a stupid From place. From the ashes I was born. <laughs> yeah, so that was kind of adopted the darkness I was born in it. <laughs> yeah. So um they didn't I mean cuz I could see how it could be insulting potentially where it's like oh yeah all the catholic rabbits are going to get all their money, right? Cuz you think of these oh. some of these catholic families got like, you know, like five or six kids. I mean, 
It's like what, like five or six is like his small compared to. I know, but like, what is it like three thousand dollars per? Well, it's a tax credit, though. It's not necessarily you're going to get all three thousand dollars per kid. It depends on how much taxes you owe, and will be deducted from that. Okay. Um, and so it's not. Yeah, it's not right. Like it's. I mean, many people will probably get a lot of it, but it's not just straight cash, you're going to get $3,000 no matter what for each kid. It depends on how much you owe in taxes. You sound like a man who has done the math, Peter, for obvious <laughs> reasons. Well, I, I, I did it last year because there's a child tax credit <laughs> already. So, Yeah, um, this is a big increase. But what's interesting about this one is that there isn't a payment in a lump sum if you qualify for it. They pay it over several months. So some mm-hmm. people have said it's a backdoor option, a backdoor way of bringing in UBI through the child tax credit system. That's what some people have, have essentially said. They didn't come out and say Interesting. it's UBI, but since you're getting like 300 or $400 a month from this tax credit, because it's not all dispersed in like one big lump sum, it's, it's a monthly payment that some people are saying, this is going to be, this is essentially UBI because a lot of people have kids who aren't, who are dependents and they'll a lot of, it's a lot of money for, you know, middle-class and lower income families, um, which I don't know how Milton Friedman, you guys feel tonight, but that's just, that's an interesting, I mean, like when you talk about some of these Catholic families though, who, you know, like when you have, you have 10 kids, like, I don't care how much money the dad or the mom is making. And usually it's probably if you're, you know, it's a traditional Catholic family, probably only one of the spouses is working the dad. So they're probably bringing in boatloads of money, <laughs> like put it next to the other stimulus checks. Like, yeah. So we'll see. Maybe if like you start driving like 20 years from now, some politician is driving through rural wherever and it's like why are there all these cathedrals it's like well you see <laughs> this was indirectly funded by the federal government it's like what <laughs> yeah we all just started like there's Hagia Sophia's and Notre Dame's popping up in the middle of like rural West Virginia and there's Catholic communes popping up like well we got the money to buy something and start something up and so I don't know it could be it could be happening I, yeah yeah, you're going to have these rural bishops are going to all of a sudden, you know, have all of this cash to, you know, start uh, getting donations from. And yeah, and they'll probably use it to make hideous churches. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's the sad part. It's, yeah. It's not actually going to get hot use of yeah. Oh, man. But the well, thing is, go ahead. You know, go ahead. Uh, you're talking about doing a little like Marian thing. You should. Uh, oh, yeah, I mean, with, with this, with this, uh, with this uh, Biden money, I mean, you should be able to make like a, a little mausoleum, oh. something, something like some sort of like shrine, like an actual shrine. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you're right. Yeah, there's a little corner in my backyard where the trees kind of grow to create like kind of a natural overhang. Yeah, you know, perfect to like add some rocks and maybe a fountain in a Mary, like a little Mary statue. And it, yeah, it'd be really nice. I think mm-hmm. it would be a nice place to like kind of contemplate and stuff. So yeah, maybe that will be what I direct at least some of it towards yeah you'll sit <laughs> most there. likely it'll all just go towards saving for my kids education is- oh come on you're not gonna day trade like bitcoin and dog co- dogecoin <laughs> <laughs> come on where's, your, where's your, the yeah college fund oh. <laughs> peter i didn't know being coming a dad meant you were gonna become a quitter <laughs> <laughs> what happened to yolo and all your money <laughs> You have fiduciary responsibility to your family to YOLO all those checks <laughs> on GME options. 
She gave me options. Oh. <laughs> I'd be so bad. Peter, so Peter, I knew would see Dogecoin and see a stimulus check and say yeet and go for it. <laughs> yeet the money. <laughs> like, just wait. They'll. I mean, you know, Biden's gonna bring out another stimulus check, so why not? <laughs> Market is just gonna get flooded with cheap cash, and it's all going towards this <laughs> cryptocurrency and like outdated retail services that have no business yeah oh my gosh no business existing at this point <laughs> like did you say that gme was up to like 300 dollars today oh wow it's up to 340 till it drops back down like again. why i don't know <laughs> diamond hands man diamond hands was there a squeeze were, were some of the were some of the shorts coming up or it's been going up for the past week um okay. i've just been watching it on and off um you know who should really feel bad all the people who chickened out like two weeks ago and they're just like oh that's it <laughs> paper hands like all of these guys on wall street bets are feeling so self-validated right now because <laughs> yeah. they're like yeah no we just kept on holding kept on holding diamond hands diamond hands diamond hands and now like they're in the clear again yeah. I mean, it's it's hilarious. Oh my gosh, it's so funny. That, that meme you sent me where it was the scene from uh, Dead Poet Society at the end, they were all standing up on the desk saying, Captain, my captain. But the funniest one was, so the, uh, to describe what's happening, um, if you know the movie, um, Robin Williams' character has been told he's been kicked, fired from the teaching position that he's had for the past semester. and Got um, canceled. He got, yeah, he got canceled. And so all the students who loved him are standing up on their desks and as he's leaving the classroom and they're re- saying the first line from a poem, Captain, my captain, Captain, my captain, captain as a s- salute to him. And so for this meme, each kid is a different type of person on Wall Street bets. Mm-hmm. And the one that made me just die was the one who bought it like 425. <laughs> <laughs> like... <laughs> he's, he's got the right idea but he got in way too late <laughs> he gets up last or something he gets up last yeah, he was... and then robin williams was deep effing value the guy who yes. kind of started the whole thing yeah. <laughs> whose youtube name is actually roaring kitties mm-hmm. or something it's just hilarious because um it was interesting watching the congressional hearing yeah, with he was there wasn't he he was there and he was yeah. had he because they did it all virtually, right? Um, and Maxine Waters didn't know how to mute her mic. And there's this like loud echo. And AOC is like, oh, Maxine, uh, Madam, Madam Chairman, Madam Chairwoman, Madam Chairwoman, you're, I think someone. And then these libertarians are making fun of it as like they superimpose themselves into it. And they're like, can somebody under the age of 40 please tell Maxine how to mute her mic? <laughs> <laughs> Um, but what's funny is deep effing value who like does a lot of streaming and stuff um on his youtube channel which is roaring kitties um he had the best mic of all of them Mm. (laughs) he had the he had the best setup the most professional looking setup i mean yeah granted his like his mic was hot rod red (laughs) so that (laughs) stuck out a little bit um but i mean he he played to his base he sat there and they're asking like why'd you buy it and his response was i like the stock Right, like, right. I like. Why'd you buy? It? I like the stock. Right. That's. There's no collaboration here. Just you know, no. like the stock. So, I mean, I yeah. I mean, that's the the guys who shorted it. They took a they took a risk, and you can't. I mean, if you expose yourself to the point where this something like this can happen to you, then I feel like you're not making a good bet, right? Like, I think it's especially on something like shorting a stock because anything if it wasn't wall street bets coming in it could have been 
they did something else and made the stock become more valuable, right? It's the company itself, like took on a new strategy, brought on a new CEO. Um, So I don't know. Yeah. That's hilarious though. It's the (laughs) wall street coming up against the meme community is a very funny. (laughs) It's uh, um yeah, it's it's funny. It's interesting. Um, I was listening to Glenn Greenwald on Matt Taby's uh, podcast talking about this whole situation, right? And um, again, it's a Reddit community, right? It's filled with some some real douchebags, to be honest, right? I haven't seen anything too bad um, on Wall Street Pets, to be honest, because I'll, I'll I'll I lurk. I tried posting on Catholic Reddit, and then I got banned, so I got my post cut. So I guess I'll go back. Did to you lurking. actually get banned, or did no? You I just didn't get. I, I just got my post taken down. Oh, like, okay. Because yes. you suggested people should use their stimulus to make chapel, personal chapels. I mean, what's wrong with that? I, mean, I know it's so it's so I, wild. I, I just like yeah, maybe it's just like my wild, mild, mild young days. Like maybe it's like some inquisitor sitting in, being like, oh, we'll have you know uh, unadulterated just religious communities popping up without you know with <laughs> yeah without oversight from the Vatican or from the USCCB. So we, we can't <laughs> right exactly. We can't do that. We can't do that. We can't have that. We can't have that. <laughs> there's like some guy the paid intern at the USCCB who takes care of like that subreddit. It's just like ban. <laughs> Ban, can't allow the domestic church to flourish. <laughs> exactly, God forbid. I yeah. need to give the money to the bishops to make ugly churches. Exactly. <laughs> that, that actually brings up an interesting question. I'm curious if there are any priests or bishops that bought the dip. No, because they're well, definitely the Vatican didn't because they're horrible at investing. I can. <laughs> Vatican. <laughs> the Vatican will probably get in when it's at five hundred dollars. Yes. He did. Yes. yes, he's the last one in the meme. The Vatican. Yeah, <laughs> they were, yeah they, if they did, they were in at five hundred dollars. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Oh yeah. But anyway, um, so it was, it was interesting. I was listening to uh, Taibbi talking with Greenwald about it, um, and Greenwald was saying like, "There's two ways you can go with this story, right? You can go in this like proletariat versus bourgeois." type narrative right where it's like the collective hive mind borg kind of like throwing stimulus check you know against the man kind of thing or you can highlight um the fact that they call everyone a retard on their show right like that's just that's kind of the nomenclature and then uh, somebody actually uh made a meme about that where it was michael from the office and they had captioned it being like you don't call someone with down syndrome a retard that's rude you when your friend yolo's on a tesla option that's when you call him that right (laughs) so they're making fun of the fact like no you don't like this is what we call it but um but it's interesting he greenwald's point was how many people who are purported to be you know men and women of the left right against the system focusing on the unsavory aspects of, of online internet meme culture and not looking at the fact the Wall Street bets is just tanking some of these some of these hedge funds, right? Yeah. And that there's a huge change of wealth from the quote unquote bourgeoisie, if you're gonna take a class approach to this, and transferring it to proletariat by a mass movement. And so he said, it's interesting. So many people are, they're getting like, they're focusing on this part. It's like, yeah, but that part, if you're like, if you're so like coked up on the, like the class struggle idea, those other things should be ephemeral, right? They're not, the thing is, 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 you know, 
capital and capital being allocated at the top 1%. That's what should really get you going that they took and divested some of that capital from the 1%. But no, let's focus on the fact that they say the word retard. Like that's just so communism and the concept of class struggle is so dead when me, a Catholic podcaster has a better grasp right on the (laughs) concept of class struggle and can articulate and understand it and understand where it might be a play. Right. John Federline, John, once a guest friend of the show was like, I'm I'm proletariat adjacent, which is something I also like to see myself as to some extent, I don't fully go into the class struggle, but like, like seriously, what happened to Marx when it's like, you know, there's millions and millions of dollars being transferred from the 1% down to the proletariat. And the only thing you can focus on is the idiotic slogans that these idiots use. Yeah, whatever. It just, it kind of boggles my mind. I mean, I think, I think in a lot, I mean, in a big way, I mean, economic Marxism, like like communism, things like that, like that's, that's certainly taking a side seat or a back seat to the social Marxism that's mm-hmm. going on. I mean, like the, the main, yeah. I mean, the main pariah around our nation and, and the social, I mean, kind of structure of like politics and stuff is that like, like social, like Marxism is what's happening right now. And I mean, uh, whether it's in schools, whether it's in, you know, you know, public school system or just, just like from politics and, and, and everything and the, the, what the government's trying to do with a lot of stuff, but um, economic Marxism is not really, I don't think, I mean, Bernie, Bernie lost again, you know, Bernie lost again. So it's not, it's not the top, it's not the top dog right now. They just want to make sure you can't comment something on Reddit that suggests the, the humble like idea of building a chapel. (laughs) I mean, to be fair, it was a little ambiguous whether I was making fun of them, but. Right. But I mean, like, but you bring up what I think what you're also pointing to is the fact that a lot of the places where you see people attacking who work for leftist organizations like CNBC, Huffington Post, any of these organizations who were attacking Wall Street bets and claim to be um, leftists are behind closed doors. All these people are like very well connected to Wall Street and the banks. Some of their biggest investors might be banks and they're not going to like they'll write pro Marxist articles, but when push comes to shove, they're not going to turn against the organizations that put bread on their table. Yep. Yep. And they're all a part of the upper class as much as they want to try and pretend like they're not. And so where you're seeing these articles are all from places that are heavily uh, financed by the 1% and the banks. So that's what I think you're seeing a lot of there because yeah, I mean, uh, it was interesting. Like the people that I saw defending or like saying, oh, the, the hedge funds are the good guys. I mean, like it says a lot about a person, I feel like in a lot of ways, you know, I, I think there's I, I don't consider myself a Marxist, but I do root for the underdog. You know, I do like it when the underdog wins. Um, and it's not as if this hedge fund was, you know, investing in a medicine or in a new medical thing that could help children in Africa, like get clean water. Like it's not as if this, what wall street bets did was morally evil. No. What this hedge fund was doing was betting against a, a retail company that sold video games, pretty low, pretty low stakes business, right? 
Um, and they lost the bet. And I think that that's, you know, that's, that's a hel- I think that's a sign of a healthy market. I think that's a sign of people being punished for bad bets. And I think that that should happen. Because well, but, in a, but in a sense, wasn't it not a bad bet? I mean, for the, the hedge funds, it was a bad bet for the hedge fund. No, 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 no. But like in, in, so the, 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 in a sense, it wasn't a bad bet because with what, what, what Wall Street, Wall Street um, bets and everything, like what, like what yeah. they did, I mean, for better or worse, there was organization of, of a sort, right? There was mm-hmm. a movement of a sort to literally, I mean, like obviously their motivations weren't to, you know, make money. It was actually literally just to screw these people over. Right. But, people these hedge funds were actually making us I, I think a sound financial decision oh no uh, of absent absent of a bunch of like, marxists basically right saying, well screw you hedge fund you know it's yeah. like so I, I actually don't think that they were like they made a bad bet and it just turned i think they actually just like they were just doing what they do and these people came in especially hungry to screw them over well i i think while you're right that like in the normal course of events they were making a bet that they thought was 2020 says it's a bad decision but right we're right like in 2020 hindsight yeah it was a bad bad decision but i also think that a lot of these hedge funds do treat the market a little bit like a casino and i think that there is a little bit of this market manipulation that goes on where if you or i were to pump up a stock let's say we and say all right you and I, we're going to do something illegal. We're going to buy a penny stock and we're going to tell everybody this thing's going to $50 in two days. And then that would be illegal. Wouldn't that? Would. Exactly. So if you or I do something like that, that's illegal. Yeah. But these hedge funds through the process of shorting stocks are largely affecting the value of those stocks. Because if people see that, Melvin Capital is heavily shorting GameStop, then nobody's going to buy it. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, like, yes, it's a part of the market where it's a, like, you know, you can kind of tell the value of the, of the stock based on how much people are buying it. But the process of shorting a stock is a little different. And it's... Well, well I, I, the process of shorting a stock is good for the market because it allows us to, to, like, to honestly evaluate the worth of a particular company. And GameStop sucks as a company. They are awful they are they i mean they they've they've passed their day of of relevancy i'm thinking video games mostly online you can just plug your wi-fi in and download all your games like the hard copy video game i mean like they're a crap company poorly run and now the product that they offer is not even that great (laughs) and so in if anything if anything shorting actually allows for an honest take on the value of a particular company so So, i i would actually say that the that the that the like the the robin hood people treat Treat stock market the stock market more like a casino, while these while these hedge funds people actually treat it more like uh, I don't know, like how do you say like ownership of something like um, you know more like a I don't know a prostitute or I don't know something where they like they, what? Like, like, <laughs> like, Wait, what? I was not expecting that, but whatever. Continue. Like they like they treat it more like oh back, yeah. this is like this is the intention, this is the plan, and this is probably going to happen. Right. Well, so. <laughs> I think that while it uh, uh, Michael's true. going full bourgeoisie, he's getting his pay raise from his new job, and now he's just <laughs> oh, being no. like, I, I don't mean, know, I'm part of I'm part of the ruling elite. Oh, well, no, I, I, think I don't even qualify true. for stimulus check. <laughs> <laughs> I think what Michael's saying is very accurate. Yeah. That the hedge funds aren't YOLOing their money <laughs> on like 
on just crazy meme stocks. They do analysis. They, Am I the last one holding out for the proletariat here? <laughs> well, no, 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 no. I mean, but I think that there is, I think that, okay. Let's put it like, I think that while this is a different situation, I think that there is a cultural problem that this can point to. And I think the one of the best examples of just the, the moral corruption and just kind of the YOLO culture of Wall Street is if you look back to 2008 and the decade prior where you had investment, so you had mortgage banks take, giving out loans mm -hmm. to people who had no credit. And then these banks would bundle all of these loans from people who had very little chance of ever paying it off and most likely would default. They would bundle all these together and sell them to get the get them off their books and then people would buy them and when is this, it, is this the topic of the have you seen the big short yeah it, this is this yes exactly i yeah. was i was just under so i'm, I'm ignorant yeah. actually, a lot of the stuff that you're talking about i historically like having read and things like that i haven't yeah. so i'm actually very ignorant to think like the topic you're talking about mm -hmm. okay I, this is a lot i was the at the time only kind of, you know, kind of paying attention like i'm not very well read into everything okay, yeah. but i, I mean, was I just had, talking to one yeah, of our old I, professors who I mean, also said he would like to join us at some point. Wait, who? Uh, that uh, I was who? talking about, it, and he was emphatic about saying, "What? Like, watch the Big Short." Wait, who is this? Uh, um, uh, is he theology? Uh, no, he's political science. Who is this? Oh. A professor, uh, uh, Br Bracy. Yeah. Ah. Oh, hey, that'd be really cool. Does, wait, so, does he, is he a friend of the pod? Uh, he, he might be in the future. Well, we should make him friend of the pod. All right. That'd be fantastic. We so no, but you're going to be, a, you didn't know this, but you're going to be. So the, the position that you just laid out was a position that this professor. Oh, okay. Uh, was this a position that your, the, the professor took? No, 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 no. We no, didn't talk no. about, we didn't, he was just, he was just actually telling me to watch the movie. We actually oh. didn't talk about this. Okay. Yeah. So mm. I, the, this is what he, the movie yeah. really does a good job of detailing. And it just shows that there was this. There's an without regulation, the banks and the and the investment firms take serious risk with money that is invested in them that they didn't generate through production, right? It's people trusting them with their money to make more money. And then they invest it in things like bad mortgage loans or shorting GameStop. Like I mean, it's while I, I'll 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 say this because I don't I'm not going to go full Chestertonian tonight. But you can I, no, please go full Chestertonian. No 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 no. Because no, I, I think Chesterton it. and Hayek have so much more in common that people give them credit for. I'm sick and tired of everyone saying distributists and like free market Chicago style economics is like at at loggerheads. It's it's no. totally false. It's totally bullshit. But that's no, true. That's, no, that's, that's true. Totally yeah. No. No. And we should get into that. But I, I just want to say that what. The, what the funds are doing and what the banks are doing does provide a ton of opportunity for people who wouldn't otherwise have it. They're generating money that people use for retirement. They're providing loans for people to start businesses, to go to college. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think there's a lot of good that is done by the banks. Mm -hmm. But I think that there is a significant amount of risk that is exposed um, and it exposes a culture of risky behavior when you have situations like the mortgage crisis or like GME which didn't taint the entire economy, but it just kind of showed a, a willingness to take a riskier a loan, a riskier investments, let's mm -hmm. say. Um, and so that's just what I'm getting at. I'm not I, I, like, 
while it's fun to kind of meme that the Melvin Capital is like this evil corporation, the proletariat got, you know, they they won one over on on, you know, on uh, what's the guy from Atlas Rugged? I, I can't believe I'm forgetting his name. Ayn Rand. Well, that was the author, right? But um, the John Galt. Um, I haven't read Ayn. I haven't read. It. Oh, you haven't read Atlas Rugged? Yeah, okay. So, um, too busy, busy trying to read Foucault. <laughs> just Foucault is, gotten, that's a fun read. I, I haven't I, gotten. I haven't gotten anywhere yet with it. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, the the French like kind of like post modern postmodern like philosophers are very interesting. So they're a weird bunch. They are a weird bunch. They're a weird bunch. Foucault yeah. and his bald head. Yes. Very, very um, odd. Where were we? Uh, but so that's what I'm saying is that I agree with you, Michael, that like, you're right. Like the, the fund was probably working off the best information that they had and they were trying to make their investors money. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think that it's, it's worth just recognizing that like, there, there is a, there might be a problem with risk and taking on more risk than they should. Mm-hmm. And that's just what I'm saying. Yeah, but I think with, with the Wall Street Bets thing um, is that the, the banks knew they could take on the risk in the 2008 financial crisis, 2007, 2008, 2009, however it was. Um, they knew they could take on that risk because the feds would bail them out, right? Because yeah, it was true. like, oh, you know, well, if we're too big to fail so give us the money and i forget who it was i think was it alan greenspan i forget who it was but said like if you're too big to fail you're too big yeah like just right. you you should yeah. should probably get broken up um yeah. i don't know like i feel like there has to be some amount of insider knowledge going on with a lot of these hedge funds of saying hey you know how about we do this how about we do that we're going to short the stock we're not going to short the stock i mean we're kind of remember melvin capital when they were like getting getting wrecked, right? Wrecked mm-hmm. with like an R, not a W, just wrecked with a K, R E K E T, wrecked. Um, they got a loan from Citadel, right? Yeah. All of a sudden, Citadel decides to invest in them. That has to be there. There feels like there's something something a little sneaky going on there, because that's not a good investment when Melvin Capital has just lost like. I don't know, like a fourth to a third of its capital in this one bet, this one short option they had or short position they had, I should say. Um, and then another hedge fund comes and bails them out. I just, I feel like there's some, I, again, it's, it's, it's difficult to say, oh, that's where the market manipulation is. But like, you know, from a business standpoint, is it good to invest in a company that's just lost like a fourth of its value? I don't know. Probably not. <laughs> like, right. But I guess it's questionable. It's Melvin's capital to invest. But what you're pointing at is that there's a culture of protecting each other. Yeah. And having each other's best interests in mind beyond business interest. Yeah. Which, I mean, I guess you could say there's business interest in developing relationships between firms, but it, it's a club that none of us could ever get into. And that's Except where Wall Street bets. Right. There's Wall Street bets. But, but, what are you going to say, Michael? Why, why, why do we care? Okay, this is going to sound really harsh, but like, why do we care about business best interests? So, like, so in, in, a, in a certain sense, we Wait, should. Michael's going full distributist now. He's going no, full Chester no, Tony no, distributor. No, 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 I don't think he is. <laughs> no. So why should we care about like? And I don't, I don't mean it the way that sounds. Um, mm-hmm. But like, why, why should we care about the business best? And when these, like, they, they, these people are trying to. 
uh, they're trying to operate within the market. They're trying to like make you know they have loans. They kind of like you mentioned with the banks and things like that. They like, they have they try to want to provide uh, the service of return, you know, having return for their you know people's investments and things. Um, and uh, they I don't think I don't think we can say I don't think anyone should say or think that shorting is inherently wrong. Um, again, it's a fantastic mechanism of of accurately uh, kind of fine tuning the market to, 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 to properly price a stock. Um, and so when these people are, yes, they're making money. I mean, cause that's what happens in the stock market. You make money. That's yeah. why any, and that's why anyone is on date. Like it's on like app, the app to oh, sure. make oh, yeah. money. Like you're there to make money. I mean, you're doing it just as much as they are, you right? Play uh, to make money. Well, I don't know if I'm doing it as much as they are. No, but it's, I mean, it's the difference between like playing, like, you know, throwing the football around in your backyard or being like an actual, like running back in the NFL. I mean, sure. like that's their job. Yeah. And you're, you know, so, I mean, like it makes sense that they have different apparatus to kind of support and help each other out to, to do what their job is to do, which um, also, I think when they do shorts and stuff like that, again, does what the, what it's supposed to do, which is help us to better understand the, the the actual pricing or what something ought to be actually priced at in in earnest, not just inflated to by a bunch of you know yeet boys like you know like throwing money in you know buying the dip and like you know sending it up to four. I'm in hands. So I mean, like why why so and also be, best like be, uh, GameStop. Who gives a shit? Like why do we want what's best for GameStop? I mean, they're a shit company. They're awful. Well, you, you you do say that that's true they they're not well run but i think that let it die it's a it's a it's a tumor cut it out <laughs> but okay well, you say that but it, let's compare the amount of of contribution to the economy that melvin capital has compared to gamestop mm-hmm. how many people do you think melvin capital employs i would say probably under 100 well how many people benefit from the profit of Melvin Capital and how like how many people? I, are, like, I don't know who invests in them. It employs directly a hundred people, but from the wealth of things that like, you know, I don't want to get to like trickle down like about okay, right? But like from the wealth of that, how many people does it employ? How many? Yeah, how it many might. People? It might. You, you might be correct. Yes, I don't like, know. employ employ in a, like a degree of separation. You know. What so I mean? what's specific about a place like Melvin Capital? If we were talking about let's say like a Wells Fargo or even like a Bank of America or another or even like a Goldman Sachs. Uh-huh. I would say, yeah, you're right. Like there are these, these firms provide, um, uh, you know, retirement funds for thousands of people, or they provide a lot of, but a place like Melvin Capital, I had not heard of Melvin Capital prior to this whole fiasco. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these firms are pretty exclusive and pretty expensive to buy into, mm-hmm. um, to buy um, shares in their mutual funds. I don't know what Melvin Capital, I, I haven't done enough research to know. But there is an exclusivity with some of these um, investment firm funds that it makes it very difficult for people to uh, benefit directly from them. Now, what you're saying is, okay, maybe Joe Schmo is not directly getting dividends from this fund, but the guy who employs him is, and that's what matters. Okay, I mean, there's something to be said for that. Well, but- also, I mean, also think about think about their investments because, like, I, I I I do not believe, and I'm and mm-hmm. I'm I would I'm willing to bet money yeah. that Melvin Capital doesn't exclusively short. No, 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 of course not. Yeah. So, so that they're, they're trying to make sound financial decisions and they're not just shorting companies, but they're, they're properly investing in certain companies, which yes. like, with the accumulated wealth that they like done to then help these other companies. I mean, that money, that that's when you invest in a company, that's a real help to a company. Like right. that's, well, yeah. so I'm saying that like, 
it's not. I'm not saying this shit is humanitarian. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm saying. I'm saying like you know. Like I. 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 I love joking about buying the dip. I love talking about GME, and I have a lot of sentiment. I have a lot of sentimental love. Sure, it's fun to watch. Yeah, I love GameStop in in so far as like my childhood and everything. Yeah. But like in reality, I mean, it's a bunch of Marxists who are just trying to screw over people who, oh, yeah. you know, who who actually keep keep this this form of commerce flowing and working. So, OK, this is my question then. All right. So you're right. Melvin Capital did, did the textbook short. Mm-hmm. They found a, a company that was over leveraged on debt. What's that? Is crap. Is crap. Poorly managed, over leveraged and has, you know, and has an outdated mode of getting product to the to yeah. the economy. Can do I push? Think, go ahead. No, no, no sorry, sorry. Oh, so, but do you think that exposing yourself to risk, though, is necessarily a problem of Marxists just trying to game the system, or do you think that this is a hazard of the economy that needs to be taken into account whenever you short anything? Because, like I said before, anything can happen to a company. GameStop could have been bought by Microsoft. And they're like, you know, could have taken off and Melvin Capital would have gotten wiped out either way. So I think that they're like, they didn't see anything, but I think that you always have to take into account that there is a significant amount of risk in shorting any stock because the, the, the amount of money that you could end up owing is unlimited. Yeah. But it's exponential the, losses, it's exponential loss. But the amount of money that you can gain is limited to if that stock hits zero. It can't go beyond zero. Like you can't go below zero. So it's a, it is a risky place to be. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not like it's, I mean, it's like between buying stocks, like normally and shorting, shorting is much riskier because the, 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 uh, the, the potential for loss is much greater. Good. Yeah. yeah good. <laughs> um, so I guess my question is like, could we say that, you know, instead of writing off Wall Street bets as just being a fluke of a bunch of people who are just trying to meme, could this be a new element of the market where people, because what they did was actually textbook as well. This is what, I, this is what I'm trying to get at. What Wall Street bets did, or the guys who found this out did, is they said, you know what? Their short is coming up. And we think, and, and the price of the stock is close enough to being above where they needed to be that if we just started pumping it, we could squeeze their stock. This isn't like, while it's a little like sneaky and a little tricky, it is something that can happen outside of like a meme thing. People do, like, if you wanted to be a corporate raider, like a Mitt Romney, mm-hmm. you can, you can take over a company in a similar way of finding ways to buy 51% of a company mm-hmm. through kind of backdoor channels and stuff. So what I'm saying is that, while this is very uh, unorthodox, I think that this could very well be something that is just a hazard of shorting companies. That's absolutely true. There's absolutely like the risk involved. I'm not saying that there isn't and there should not be a risk involved. But the difference, the difference of the risk is that like you're you're like the likelihood of like so like you I mean you bounce these and you calculate the risk and all that and you think about like okay well what's the likelihood of this. These people were literally doing this out of sheer spite. So it wasn't necessarily f- like figured into like a calculation. So I'm not saying what they did. But it's hard to calculate spite. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to calculate spite. So yeah. that's one thing. So that, that's that's one thing. But the other right. thing is that um, that I can't stress enough that what Wall Street Bets did was artificially 
inflate the the value of a stock of a company hmm. over that which it is it ought it it should be valued. So this is where okay, hold on. But like okay, but I'm sure we can okay. Water is more valuable to a man starving in the desert than than a diamond right. is. But Michael, yeah. so we're not talking desert <laughs> no, no 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 no. but okay what you're saying though how, all right how do you measure something's worth in dollars is what people are willing to pay for it that's how that's that's the fair market the free value. market economics forget I mean, that's bottom, distributism line, that's what whatever whatever the market is willing to pay for an item that's its market value so whether it's two dollars what melvin capital thought it was or three hundred dollars what Reddit thinks it's worth. If more people on Reddit think it's worth three hundred dollars, then the market value is three hundred dollars. So, so I, 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 I absolutely understand what you're saying, but there's a difference between there's a difference between something being like accurately valued and being being like being pumped up, so like artificially inflated. So like so so you might you might be able to say you know with tongue in cheek say like well you know these people value it at four hundred dollars four hundred and eighty six dollars <laughs> but in reality they're they're not they're they're just you know they're 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 like their explicit goal is not to say this is a good product this company should be bought because it's a good product let's invest invest in this good product let's invest in the market let's like let's get this going. But it's it's that like oh there's these people who are trying to make money by betting against something that we kind of vaguely remember from our childhood. Uh, let's screw them. Well, I, I mean I don't remember anything about GameStop from my childhood because I was homeschooled and I didn't play video games. <laughs> but no, I remember I tried to sell an Xbox 360 back to them and they gave me five dollars of store credit. <laughs> That's <laughs> like, all I remember. From. These guys are monsters. Oh, yeah. Um, but like, I, but but hold on a second, Mike. I guess my point being like. I mean, how is it not, you know, pumping a stock, quote unquote, when you have securities that are filled with worthless subprime mortgages that the banks continue to sell, right? Except the banks end up getting bailed out by the Federal Reserve, by TARP and by all that other stuff. Like, I mean, yeah, you're saying, ah, like GME and the whole Reddit stuff is crony capitalism. It's like, well, I mean, guess welcome to like the whole financial crisis in 2008 with crony capitalism as well. So, I mean, I mean, it's like, I'm sort of saying like everyone is kind of doing it. Why can't we let the proletariat push a little, like, why can't we push crony capitalism downstream a little bit towards so, oh, okay, the masses? Here, this is what See, I want to ask. Sorry, I was like, I gotta go, okay, I gotta yeah, go put up, I gotta go put up my, my, right. my like hammer and sickle flag over here behind. No, but, just right. but, but, like, but like the difference, the difference is though, in that scenario is that like, I don't like, I don't agree that these places should be bailed out. Right. So okay. like you're, you're suggesting something that like, I don't agree with them being bailed out. Let them die. <laughs> you know? Okay. So here's my question. All right. Let's say, you, you're starting a company and you're going public. And so you have an IPO and your company is pretty small at the moment. And, but you have a, but you have a lot of promise. Yeah. 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 And so you start out as like, you know, $15 a share. And then, but a lot of investors come in because they expect great things from you and you go up to like $30 a share. Mm-hmm. What is the difference? And, and normal investors don't have access to IPOs. I just want to, like, it, you have to be at one of these funds or at a bank or something. What's um, an IPO so, again? Can you explain that? Yeah, initial public offering. It's your first day of being on the stock market. And you have to get underwritten by 
by a firm and they have to value your company. And I mean, it's a whole process. So, um, so what if we just look at what GM, what happened to GME is kind of like a second IPO for GME and they got a ton of new capital from people who are like, I see good things coming for GameStop and GameStop uses this to become a much better firm than they had been. I think, I think that's a completely dishonest take. Uh, I, I think you're right. <laughs> to, to push back. No, no, no. I, I, I'm going to stand up as the homeschooler who never played video games until he got to college and started playing video games. I'm going to stand up for GME here a little bit. I mean, like they hire the guy from Chewy. Chewy, again, like as I remember, this is not, not the Star Wars thing. This is a oh. on, <laughs> no, this is an online um, pet food <laughs> store, okay, right? Yeah, right? And so this, Chewy's whole business model was online sales. And mm-hmm. remember talking to James and John, friends of the pod, um, about this, that deep effing value he had gotten in before there was even the short because he thought that GameStop was essentially being undervalued because they had just brought in this guy, um, the CEO, Ryan Cohen. Ryan Cohen, that's his name. Ryan Cohen like specifically focused in... Uh, on the ability to sell stuff online and they're going to change their business model to this more online retail. So, I mean, how undervalued actually was it? Like, were they going to turn a corner? I mean, yeah, granted, it's hard for a company to turn around and all of a sudden do something completely different. Granted, but they still at least had the name of, of GameStop that there was some sort of remembrance like Peter and going and trying to sell his Xbox like five five measly dollars or something. In store credit. credit. I mean, store, store credit. credit, exactly. Not even dollars. Like, not even American greenbacks. Like, <laughs> GME, like, YOLOs or something. Yeah. No, I think, well, that's a good point. So, just based on that history where they did hire a new guy and they had a new direction their value was probably above what Melvin Capital's target bottom price was. Mm-hmm. And so if you take that into account and then you have people start talking to each other and then you get this avalanche of interest, it's, I don't know, it's kind of tough. I mean, I think that, like, I think that there is a distastefulness in doing something out of spite, but I also think that there is room in this conversation to say that Melvin Capital probably overexposed themselves to the risk and they and they were the first ones to be really hit by the retail investor movement. Mm-hmm. I think that it, this is a new phenomenon that these hedge funds probably aren't sure how to handle yet, but I don't think that this is something that should go away. I think that Giving people access to the stock market is a is a net positive. I think. Mm-hmm. I think allowing people to have low, like low to no um, uh, fees to invest, I think is important. I think allowing people to invest their own money is important. That's what that's the idea of a free market. And I think, I mean, you don't oh. want it to become a situation where people are treating it like sports betting. Well. Yeah, for example, today I saw a guy who said if if um if Wall if not Wall Street has, if uh, GME went to got up to three hundred dollars or something, he would eat a crayon. And so yeah, so he Wall Street bets he posted a video of himself eating a crayon. I was just like, what am I doing here? I need to go back yeah. to trans. I need to go back to translating Latin or something. Yeah. <laughs> what are these fools? Right. <laughs> like, 
So yeah, I think that was a, I think that's a very measured I think that's a very good measured take on it. I think that was that was that as far as what I'm saying, I actually don't think what you just said and and what's in my head is radically opposed or anything. Yeah. In fact, I think that was a very good measured take and I think you're describing because like I don't want to just sound like I'm a, like a bourgeois like like oh, I don't want to sound like all I care is about I don't care about these one <laughs> percent. I certainly care. am. Not, I'm actually not a fan of the the Marxist dudes who are just like inf- like yeah. inflating uh, inaccurately inflating you know the cost of something the value of something sure um, or, or or putting value on their spite. Uh, yeah. But talking about oh, sorry go ahead sorry. Oh, no, no, go finish. No, no, go ahead, finish. I was going to say wait, something different. I was going to say, wait, I don't want to say well, I wasn't going to say well, anything. Let me, let me put it this way. What if you, what, how would this conversation change if you didn't see Wall Street Bets as a bunch of like, you know, weirdos on Reddit, but if you saw Wall Street Bets as an actual investment firm, like as, as a hedge fund that worked together as like a hive mind, I feel like the conversation would change just a little bit um, where it's like, it's an association of, like culture, I guess, like lower class proletariat culture. I, mean, I guess I'm going full Marxist here. That should kind be of a blue collar investment firm. Yeah, kind of where it's like a bunch of people. Well, not even that. I mean, like how many blue collar guys sit around That's eating, true. eating crayons, right? They, they're they're a little smarter than that. Okay. This yeah. is like weirder and dumber than that. Right? Yeah. Not that blue collar guys are dumb by any stretch of the imagination. No, no, having, no. having worked as, having worked as a mechanic for a while. Yeah. Um, But like it's, if you see them acting together as a group and kind of as a quasi hedge fund, it starts making a little bit more sense. Um, it's like when we talk about like market manipulation, though, like think about like what Bill Ackman did at the beginning of the coronavirus pandemic. He was a hedge fund manager or something, and he's just he goes on MSNBC and starts talking about how everything is going to hell. Like the world economy is going to collapse. The whole business structure is going to collapse. We're going to go into a dark age. Just like he sits there and sews out and just like gives everyone the fear pill, right? Like a fear pill, like, like Oprah, right? Like a fear pill for you and for you and for you. And as he's saying this, his hedge fund is just buying up all of these different like hotels, airlines and stuff at dirt cheap yeah. and he's made billions and billions and billions of dollars of that again like you can be like that's market manipulation we shouldn't do it like granted but i i guess i'm a little bit with you on this mike just a tad um just moving a little bit away from proletariat adjacent to being like yeah it's not the greatest thing in the world but the whole system is kind of in a little of a screwy position when yeah. bill ackman can do that so, so you may as well let the little guy get a cut of this so, right. so, and I want to like kind of talking about these unaffiliated groups who are not actually on Wall Street but have access to the market. I have a, um, I'll call it an acquaintance who is at a um, very prestigious school in Massachusetts, and they're not a member of this group. But he says that there are essentially fraternities at this school that this is all they do: they short stocks. And they have algorithms and they pump and dump and they do all this stuff. So I think that in this school is anything but proletariat. This is a very bourgeois, like, you know, this is not a, uh, like, this is not the kid sitting in his mom's basement, YOLOing his, uh, his uh, stimulus check. This kid probably comes from a family that makes too much money to get a stimulus check, but they are, no they Catholic are chapels stuff. for you. Yeah. So like, I think that this kind of behavior where it's like th- people are figuring out ways to make money on the stock market 
they and they have been i think it's just bled out into kind of more common people now before it was much more of a closed door thing this is for us but i think it's the doors have kind of opened a little bit so i just wanted to point that out that 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 anecdotally i think that these kind of things happen but people kind of kept it to themselves a little bit more um and uh like they would short stocks, they would figure out stocks that were overly shorted they, and they would do this. And it was a, like Thomas was saying, it was like a community of like-minded people. It was almost like a fraternity. Like you had to be inducted into it. Um, so you have to get yeah, that was just my humor. What's that? You have to get the sense of humor. Or yeah, exactly. You're just not, you're not going to yeah. get it. Can, can I just point out as like yeah. totally tangentially that yeah, while we're talking thing. about GME and buying the dip and all this stock stuff father's probably giving like last rights to i know <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah our conversation would be so much more elevated i know that had never we're just like how proletarian or jason are you bro <laughs> yeah oh, well speaking to segue yep segue um speaking of proletariat and bourgeois how about uh prince what's his face and his lady hollywood's matron <laughs> Whatever their names are, um, people, people I very Harry and Megan don't care about. So uh, let's talk about them since we don't yeah. care about since <laughs> none of us care about them since we're all red blooded Americans and we fought a war not to give a shit about these people. Let's talk about them. <laughs> and some of us have fought two wars. Our, our families of you know the Irish and the American. You know, let's, yeah, let's talk about it. <laughs> let's. Uh, I mean, can we just again, like again, not being Marxist but being proletariat um, sympathetic? Uh, can we just? Talk about how ironic it is that uh, two people who have a net worth of around $10 million have the sympathy of the cultural left at this point. I mean, they, they, they're worth more money than the annual GDP of several counties in West Virginia. Like, we just point that out, right? Like, we just point that out and like somehow they're getting sympathy for it. Like, this is... Like again, like I'm no friend of Marx. Again, friend of the proletariat, not friend of Marx. <laughs> but sure like, is coming up a lot tonight for people. Yeah, I know. Like, what's <laughs> the name of this episode? <laughs> yeah, I'm just like I'm just going full Marx. It's like, right. um, but like, uh, like how are how are you people getting sympathy again? Like, I mean, yeah, I guess it sucks that you married into a multi-million dollar family. Sorry. Yeah. I, I hey, that. but I got a thousand dollar stimulus check. I, I love that they're I love that they're like complaining about the queen, right? And then the person that they were complaining to is the Queen of America. You know, <laughs> like, Winfrey. Like, if I was an American, I would say God save the queen. Usurping, unelected usurping queen. It's this, it, it's like it's it's in it's incredible to me. Did, what, at one point, at one point, was she like, look under your chair, and they're like, oh, a crown. And like, <laughs> like, don't mind if I do. You know, like. <laughs> It, I like it, like there's like, the jokes some people have like oh liberal tears or liberal like whatever it's like okay like great 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 grandchildren of us murderers and usurpers and destroyers of monasteries and convents <laughs> tears and I'm sitting there like you know what don't care about you Oprah don't care about these actually Oprah's a self made woman so she's actually pretty impressive but yeah. um for, but, for uh, budding capitalists like yourself like. <laughs> Merkel, whatever is that? The, what's the girl? Megan Merkel. Megan Merkel. 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 I mean, Not Merkel. That's Merkel the, is the German <laughs> chancellor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. yeah, she's a scary. Yeah, she's scary. Right, she's the like. Yeah. Um. So the the whoever the married the prince, whatever her name is. I mean, Megan. Just actress. call her Megan. Yeah, suit wasn't that good. 
<laughs> it was nothing compared to Mad Men. Yes, I'm just saying, I'm like thinking in my head, like this actress in suits married royalty. Well, a dead a dead royalty, like a dead monarchy. But like, I guess, you know, okay. I was just, it just... I mean, I guess as far as royalty goes outside of Asia, it's probably the most, the best. Yeah, probably. Uh, but... Isn't Liechtenstein still a monarchy? Like they've got like a grand duchy, I think. Okay. Yeah, it's like something like that. Yeah, you know. Monaco has got a prince who runs it. It's pretty cool. I'd be the prince, dude. That'd be a cool family to be a part of the prince of like, the principality of Monaco. I want to yes. go to Monaco. Do they do they have any like son like great grandsons or anything? Because you've got daughters, so like oh yeah, you know, I mean they've got children up. for sure. I mean that's I'm yeah. Well, at Formula One racing, that'd be cool. Uh, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. I want to go sit on a yacht and watch a Formula One race. <laughs> Not this redneck shit down in Daytona. Five. No, I don't want to go to Daytona. I want to go to Monaco. <laughs> Except I've got to say, so my boss is awesome and he's from North Carolina. And he's really into NASCAR. And I had never really been into NASCAR, but I recently, just so I could have like carry a conversation with him, I was, would watch highlights and stuff. It, as, as far as like auto sport goes, it's actually pretty impressive. Like how much engineering and like those pit crews and like everything. Like, I mean, I, yeah. I don't think I would go to a race and sit through an entire race. And I don't like, I'm not a, like, I'm not going to follow it, but I'm like, I can actually appreciate it a little bit. Um, and it's very American. Like the whole yeah. thing is just so American. It's, it's pretty cool. So I w- actually went to my first, it wasn't a NASCAR. It was like the minor leagues of NASCAR um, okay. in South Bend um, with a couple of, with some people that I, that I knew for that were going to Notre Dame at that point. Um, and Oh my gosh, like, that was so American. Like I was yeah. just sitting there proud to be an American. Cause it's just like cars driving around and just everyone is enjoying the fact that these motorized vehicles are driving as fast as they can in an oval. Yeah. It's like, that's, this is, this is pretty American. And the, um, Abby who, who some, I think, you know, um, was there and she, she said to me, she was just like, this is the most American thing I've ever been to. I'm like, hells yeah brother well not not brother but you get you know what i'm saying um but you know there's there's something there is something to 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 nascar not that i think i would really like really get into it but i mean you just got these like stupid looking cars driving in an oval again and again and again and again and again continuously they're going to that they're going crazy fast like Mm -hmm. and well in the other american part of nascar is its roots it was like it started with the bootleggers who would soup up their cars so they could outrun the cops. And then they would race their souped up bootlegging cars on weekends. Like that was the, and so that kind of outlaw, you know, subversive attitude that a lot of Americans kind of admire to a certain extent. um, That's like built into the DNA of NASCAR. The rugged individualism. The rugged individualism is kind of in its roots. So I think there's a lot to kind of be admired about that too. I mean, how Mm -hmm. long have we been doing horse races like in the oval, you know, like a circular shape? You know what I mean? Like how long has that been 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 a practice? Not just like like hunter jumper, like you're not like just like you know, out in the field, like doing field races, but like actually going in this like a fixed shape. Um, I'm curious because I mean, in a sense, it's just modern day horse. I mean, it's just, it's horse yeah. power. It's modern day horse. Yeah. So it's, yeah. So it's actually like the, I think, I think, I think I'm, I've never been a big NASCAR person, but I think it, I think it gets enough flack that it, it's actually like worthy to comment that it shouldn't like it, because it's, it's actually a pretty long standing tradition of like, of a type of like, right. Sport, you know? Yeah. I mean, you look, I mean, I, I, I was in this. Right. 
It's just fewer short people. (laughs) (laughs) I remember the, I mean, you mentioned like how long have this been going on? I mean, I was immediately reminded of the scene from the chariot scene from Ben-Hur. I mean, you got to imagine that like, yeah, in the, in the circus Maximus, like they, they would just take those chariots around and around. Um, Yeah. I mean, so were there redneck Romans just like? In oh, the- you, better, <laughs> you better believe it. That's yes. I mean that that was what uh, Doctor McGuire of uh, you know of good memory always talked about the um, the blues and I think it was the greens in the Coliseum, not the Coliseum. It was the essentially the chariot racing arena in Constantinople. Like mm-hmm. these people were insane, right? Like yeah. these were like crazy, like invested in their in their teams and and it was just literally there's like four teams the blues the reds the whites and the greens or something like that um and these people were nuts about it um and it's it's interesting like a lot of i mean because i think the word fanatic or fan comes from like the latin word for fanatic right so it's it's a shortened version of it and so yeah, no, it's, there might very well have been really kind of redneck Romans sitting there <laughs> screaming at chariots and chariot drivers and stuff like that. I love that. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, have you guys seen uh, which city is it in where they were the different? It's an Italian. Sienna. Sienna. The chariot. Oh, yeah, yeah. What's that? Sienna. Oh, Sienna. Oh, Sienna. I apologize. Sienna. Yeah. Yeah. If you haven't seen, like, I mean, it was in a James Bond movie, but I've seen like the. Yep. The actual races it's insane and all the people from their neighborhoods come out and it's a dangerous race and they go around like the city center or in front yeah. of the cathedral it's crazy the, yeah. the, city, the city is comprised of like 13 or, or like 23 or so there's like some some so under uh, it's like under 40 of like neighborhoods like the entire city is comprised of these neighborhoods and each one has their own flag team racer yeah. runner like you know rider or yeah Oh my gosh. And it's not chariot racing. It's like bareback racing. racing. Yeah. yeah. And it's yeah. not that big. It's on the uh, Campus Maximus in yeah. Siena. And it's, it's like, it's literally like the Campus Maximus is set up a little bit like a U. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so like there are two really yeah. sharp turns at the very top of the U. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it, it can be, it can be incredibly, can, can be. Incredibly and it's, it's cool. The, the way it goes is that anytime when whoever wins gets like a gift from the city, like oh, when I, when I was studying abroad, um, uh, studying abroad in, in Rome, and I got to go to Siena. We got there right after they had done the, the competition or something like that. Yeah. And, uh, and so there was a big rock concert that got put on and we got to actually go to this rock concert. And so it was just really funny. It was me and a bunch of my classmates sitting at this rock concert. And I had the, it was the strangest experience of my life because for whatever reason, Romans, uh, apparently just aren't interesting I, I'm not romans but Sien- Sienese, like the like the like they're not interesting because the, there was like a thousands of people here and every single one of them was just standing <laughs> listening to italian rock music just standing there not dancing at all or they're anything. not raging dead, and throwing things it was like the first two or three rows up against the stage that were you know like having a good time but everyone else dead silent standing <laughs> And then you had, then you had myself and like 13 other 
uh, of our of my classmates just going wild, saying all sorts of stupid Italian things like "vere un gettone," which is "I would like a coin," and like like you know "Ilian Dalla" or whatever, which is like a line, like all just all sorts of stupid like "basta," which means "stop." You know, like we're just saying dumb dumb things at the top of our lungs. And this, I remember, I remember like vividly. This uh, this young Italian woman comes over with like her group of friends, and they start kind of jumping up and down with us. And she she like tugs on my sleeve, and I was like, "Excuse me, ma'am." Um, and uh, and I was like, "You know, scusa." Uh, and uh, and she, she she says she says, "Are you American?" And I was like, "Yes." Right. And she's, like, she's like, "We could tell you guys are having fun." <laughs> there. You, yep. Ah, there you go. I, That's funny. You know, people like. Uh, you hear pretty often that people say, oh, the Americans are loud and obnoxious. But when I've actually ta- spoken to Europeans, they also say Americans are like really fun to be around. They're like way more outgoing and way more like laid back mm-hmm. than, um, than like if you're, yeah. So I, that, that like the Germans, like I've heard that so many times from Germans that like, if you go to Germany, they love hanging out with the Americans and they love drinking with Americans. So yeah, that's funny that, <laughs> The C and E's were just like standing there, not dancing. It was the creepiest. It was like Children of the Corn creepy. Nightmare still. Like what? What? What lower power is holding you all in place? Kind of thing. <laughs> Could you imagine? Like, like, and I mean, like, raging, like Italian rock music. Right. Thousands of people just stone cold stopped to like statues. It's just <laughs> weird. Weirdest. That's so weird. It was terrifying. I was like, in my head, I was like, you don't deserve this party. (laughs) (laughs) That's really funny. I don't know. I've never been to a, I've never been to a continental rave, shall we say? So I can't, I can't say the other, but I'm, I'm really interested now. I'm really interested. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure we're not doing that anymore because of COVID. Yeah. I mean, they probably could go to the. They probably could actually have rock concerts in Italy now with COVID. They just stay six feet apart and just stand there. No, just stand there. <laughs> exactly, no screaming. No, they, they just probably, stand there. Don't do anything. They probably, they probably never stopped. We just no one would know. <laughs> a passer, a passerby would be like, "Oh, it's a lovely cult meeting." <laughs> no. Oh, we were talking about the Royals to start this all off. Yeah. What? Yeah. Well, what happened to them? We kind of forgot so, about them. As good Americans, we forgot about them. <laughs> um, well, here. I mean, if we want to talk about the British again, the Royals. The Thomas. Thomas. The Royals are just as like this whole debacle that's going on that people care about that we shouldn't because it's <laughs> stupid. Um, this. This. They're as terrible and as awful as the filthy heathens that aren't subscribing to our channel. Yep. <laughs> that's true because you guys that's... have gotten sick of of all the gifts I've been sending you. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> From Creed Pratt, and I'm gonna light myself on fire because he'd be like, "How many more new listeners?" And then like nobody'd subscribe. Yeah, <laughs> if you're listening, you gotta subscribe. What are you? You're, you're you're. It's like it's like it's like you're you're Megan and whatever his name is, Prince Harry. Prince Boy, uh, <laughs> like benefiting from like ten million dollar wedding. <laughs> And then and then and then and then interviewing with Oprah. Just subscribe to the darn page. Do us a favor so Thomas stops bugging us about it. Yeah, like, oh my gosh, I can't stand it. I'll light myself on fire. I can't take it anymore. Her user or like fan base is gonna be like good. Good. <laughs> Jacko, good. Hit the, hit the subscribe button, help us out. Yeah, that would be much appreciated. 
Oh, cool. man. Uh, well, I mean, we've been doing the Lord's work. Think. maybe yeah. i mean no yeah. at, well to be fair the one who's really been doing the lord's work is father richard so yep say a prayer for hopefully him. exactly say a prayer for him say a prayer for um whoever he's um you know administering Visiting. the sacraments to um and we're, we'll probably we'll definitely get him on at some point you know it's just kind of a matter of time so hang with us and subscribe because then you'll see when it when it actually happens um but we also we definitely well hopefully who knows priests can always have somebody they have to go deal with it you know late hours um you know with sacraments and things of that nature um so but we are we do have an anglican ordinary priest set up so we're gonna we're gonna talk about the anglican ordinary liturgy at some point next week uh we'll get that out there um hopefully we can get father richard uh done at, at some point that'd be great i'm really looking forward to that right because like he's got a great story right he was in military academy for a while he was a boxer mike's just gonna sit there and hijack the whole conversation be like no father let's just let's just talk about boxing for the next three hours or something right <laughs> like um but um no I'm, I'm really looking forward to it and hopefully you know god willing with the scheduling and everything works out so say a prayer for it say a prayer that that it works out and subscribe as well yes say per say per as you're subscribing yeah there you go for us and for for the for the series but yes. any for the yeah exactly exactly don't do it for us yeah nah, 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 do nah. for yourself we're like we're confused like capitalist proletariat supporting trads help yeah. us help you exactly yes. <laughs> uh help any help you <laughs> cool any last any last words before we wrap this wonderful episode up if you're interviewing with Oprah, look under your seat. <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah, just yeah, stay in the fight. That's always. I, I've I've really got nothing other than oh, actually, I do have something. Um, walk around your house every once in a while, um, because I randomly was walking around my house, talking to Paul on the phone, and then I found that one of the like doors was open for the crawl space underneath my house. I was like, hmm? oh, okay. And so I was like worried. I'm like, is there like a hobo hiding under my house? Is there like a cat even worse right. hiding under my house? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mike. Um, and so, yeah, so I called my landlord and he, he fixed it. So walk around your property every once in a while, if you have the opportunity of having profit of property, <laughs> whatever. Cheers. I feel terrible. Keep the fight. <laughs> walk around your house. There might be a home invader. <laughs> Your chair is open, says so. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. All right. Cheers. Oh, boy.